Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to start off just a, a touch differently today. Um, we're going to go ahead and invite you to stand. And we're going to open with a word of prayer. And as always, we're just uh, we're going to go through worship this morning. And as always, we just invite you um, just to worship freely, um, whether that means you're standing, you're sitting, hands raised, uh, or, or none of the above. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing if you're not sitting or standing, but I think you get my point. Um, yeah, let's just pray. Father God, we just, we love you. And it is just a privilege and honor to be in your house today. God, I pray that you would just meet us here in a special way. I pray that everything that would just come out of this room this morning would be nothing but praise and adoration for you this morning. God, you were worthy of it all. God, help us to 
just cast our worries and burdens aside for just a moment. Just to focus on you, Lord. And of course, knowing, God, if the burden is too heavy, this is the perfect time to also bring those things to you as well, God. We just want to leave here knowing that we have been in your presence this morning, God. We love you, and in your name we pray. But your love came to find me. Jesus, you are the way. You are the way. You are the way. You're the light shining bright in the darkness. Jesus, you are the way. Let's clap our hands.
A little faster.
to do just one more this morning and it's one that I'm, I'm pretty confident everybody knows it's been around for a minute and just when we think about just everything that he has done for us even in our most unworthy states all we can do is is just stand amazed at the God that we serve, the God that we follow, who loves us even when we are most unlovable. And he is worthy of all we have to give this morning. stand 
Bye. 
sing that together one more time. We're singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love. City Church. We are so glad you are joining us for service today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card. And at the end of service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. November 13th, we will be having Baptism Sunday. If you are interested in being baptized, Please sign up on the sheet at the information desk at the back of the sanctuary. Save the date, November 18 through 20. We will be having revival here at Cap City Church. Stay tuned for more info to come. Get your spare change and dollar bills ready. The kids will be at all four of the exits to collect your money for missions at the end of service today. The kids have a challenge to see if the girls bring in more money or if the boys bring in more money. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hey, what's that over there? Is that money? Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more detail. Please welcome Pastor Jonathan with today's message. <laughs> and there he is. <laughs> Scott and Tara, they do a great job, don't they? Hey, if you are a visitor or if you if you haven't uh, accustomed yourself to this yet, we do have paper connection cards, but if you grab the bulletin, there's a QR code on the front that gets you to a place where you can share prayer requests or fill out your information so we can connect with you. So um, whichever way you want to do it, we want to get to know you more, um, and we want to help you feel at home here at Cap City Church. Um, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 28 if you want to find your way there today. Those aren't my slides. If you guys want to change them to this week's, that'd be cool. Um, but we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 28 today, and uh, uh, tomorrow's Halloween, right? That's, that's super important for the church. Um, it doesn't have much to do with us today, um, but we did use the reality of the existence. Of, I mean, let's be real. If there wasn't such a thing as trick-or-treat, we would never have trunk-or-treat. We can act like the church would have come up with that, but we did not. Um, but for those of you that got to be here last night, uh, it was just such a perfect day. Uh, we had our fall fest, we had trunk or treat, we had hay rides, we had food trucks, we had inflatables. And I told Allison as we were turning off of 23 onto Rathmill, I said, I just feel like it's going to be a big night for the church. If you were here, wasn't it a big night for the church? Wasn't it a great place to be? Yeah. Um, we had over 300 people, and I'll be honest, I, I mean, everything just seemed to go off without a hitch. Everybody was having a great time. Uh, God gave us great weather, and I mean, it, most of you, I mean, some of you need to come and talk to Jesus about how late you were yesterday because you stayed to watch the end of the Buckeyes game, but <laughs> I guess it's all right because everything turned out okay. Um, but I thought I'd capitalize on the Halloween season, and uh, for the sermon series today, we're going to be preaching a king 
and a witch. A king and a witch. Um, so it is a story in the Bible. I didn't make it up, right? Um, but before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about what you're afraid of. Um, obviously, we're not going to have a one-on-one conversation or a one-on-200 conversation, however you want to think about that today. But you're afraid of something. And um, if I asked you guys something, uh, what you're afraid of, you might mention something like spiders or snakes or clowns, right? Like something that might be just specific more to you or just something that kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies. I, I don't know. But there's real things to be afraid of, um, not just... Uh, in this world, but maybe even within ourselves, some things that we struggle with and how we manage our fears is very important. Um, but uh, right after the pandemic, they took a poll and looked at 10, top 10 things that people were afraid of. And here's what the United States of America said. Number 10 was widespread civil unrest. We felt a lot of that, didn't we, during the pandemic? Number nine was high medical bills. Number eight was hate crimes. Number, number seven was becoming terminally ill. Number six was government corruption. Number five was terrorism. Number four was not having enough money for retirement. Number three was mass shootings. Number two, loved ones becoming seriously ill. And number one was loved ones dying. Now, some of those are very legitimate fears. Um, at least we feel the weight of those. But I'll be honest with you. I've seen a lot more people jump up off the floor onto a couch when they saw a spider than when they heard a commercial about terrorism, right? Like... There's big legitimate fears, but there's also some things particular to us that we need to manage, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I do wonder what you're afraid of, and if you feel that your fears are justified. Perhaps some of them aren't even fears, they're just discomfort. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of roller coasters, but I don't typically prefer them. Uh, um, I... <laughs> I don't think I'm afraid of snakes or alligators, but I've played a lot of golf in the South where I've been a couple feet from one before I realized it was there and I didn't really like the way that that felt. Um, but, but fear can be a healthy thing, right? It, because what we're afraid of and how we manage those fears also leads us to behaviors that then cause us to respond in a certain way, right? Because I'm afraid of being hit by a car, I don't go out into the road when one's driving by, right? That's, that's a healthy fear that, that's inside of me that's then caused me to have a healthy response. But there's a lot of fears that we have that cause us to respond in unhealthy ways. Sometimes when we feel threatened, we might lash out at others. When we feel betrayed, we might shame others. Um, it, it's really a, a huge discussion, but for this morning, we're just going to hone in on one particular story from the book of Samuel about a king who was filled with fear and responded in a way that was not to his benefit. So let's check out our text today, 1 Samuel chapter 28, reading a few more verses than I typically do, but 1 Samuel 28, verses 1 through 20, and like I said, we've just entitled this story this morning, A King and a Witch. So it came about in those days that the Philistines gathered their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, know for certain that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. David said to him, very well, you will learn what your servant can do. So Achish said to David, then I will surely make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel, who was the prophet that had anointed David um, to be the next king after Saul, Samuel was dead and all Israel had mourned him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed the mediums, the psychics, the spiritists from the land. So the Philistines assembled and came and camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. When Saul, when Saul saw, right, 
When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. So Saul inquired of the Lord. Saul prayed. That's what inquiry of the Lord is. So Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him, either in dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. Sometimes we pray and God doesn't answer, so we take matters into our own hands, right? Then Saul said to his servants, find for me a woman who is a medium. Find for me a woman who is a medium. This is Saul saying, I'm not hearing from God, so I'll find somebody else to give me an answer. And I'll go and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. We'll refer to her as the witch at Endor for the rest of the day today. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes. And he went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, consult the spirit for me, please, and bring up for me the one whom I shall name for you. But the woman said to him, behold, you know what Saul has done, that he has eliminated the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then setting a trap for my life to bring about my death? So Saul swore an oath to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. But the king said to her, Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up from the earth. He said to her, how does he appear? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul replied, I am very distressed for the Philistines are waging war against me and God has abandoned me and no longer answers me either through prophets or in dreams. Therefore, I have called you so that you may let me know what I should do. Samuel said, but why you ask me? Since the Lord has abandoned you and become your enemy, and the Lord has done just as he spoke through me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom from your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. Just as you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Furthermore, the Lord will also hand Israel along with you over to the Philistines. So tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will hand the army of, uh, of Israel over to the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length to the ground and was very afraid because of Samuel's words. There was no strength in him either because he had eaten no food all day and all night. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we pray that as we look at this story, that we would have a very honest dialogue with ourselves about those things that we're afraid of, about those behaviors in our life where we wear masks, where we allow our emotions, our behavior, or the way our treatment of others to be something that responds out of a fear, God, that could be a fear that could be resolved if we turn to the one who overcomes all fears as we increase our faith and we seek the master of peace in our life. Lord, pray that you would just help us to have a very open and honest conversation with ourselves about these matters today. In Jesus' name, amen. So King Saul's story starts back in 1 Samuel chapter 9. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was very tall and he was equally impressive in size and strength. Remember, a king would be a warrior and so physical stature would make a big difference in those days. God announces to Samuel that Saul will be the king and he was to anoint him. Samuel anoints Saul as the king. And it might be interesting to know that from the beginning of his reign, Saul seemed to demonstrate fear and actual hesitation to the position. When Samuel first told him that he was going to be God's choice, Saul replied, am I not the smallest of the tribes? 
the tribe of Benjamin, and my family the least of all the families of the tribes? So why are you speaking to me? Then when it came time to be crowned on his big day, Saul disappeared and he hid himself. Saul was the first king of Israel. He was far from being a good leader because he was far from God. You will not be a good leader if you are far from God. He had known the truth of God. The word of the Lord was spoken clearly to him by the prophet Samuel, but he never seemed to fully grasp it or believe it. And while he reigned, he committed five major sins, which I believed all stemmed from fear. Every fear that you have is founded in a lack of faith in a truth of God. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans 14, 23, when he says, whatever is not faith is a sin. Saul disobeyed God in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Then he was led by his sinful self-will and ordered his own son, Jonathan, to be killed in 1 Samuel 14. He was guilty of hatred. Saul turned, David, uh, Saul turned against David, hating him with a murderous passion in 1 Samuel 18. He was guilty of murder in, in 1 Samuel 22. Saul ordered the slaughter of a town because they befriended David. And then finally, here in our text today, we see that Saul was guilty of apostasy. He visits a witch. Saul began his life as a friend of God, but his fear and sin turned him into God's enemy at the end of his life. We hear a lot of words. Uh, we hear a lot, uh, a lot of words of fear being spoken in our world today. But if we silence the words of this world, we will hear Jesus saying, "Fear not." Many fear losing all their money, but Jesus says, "Fear not." Many fear losing their health, but Jesus says, "Fear not." In John chapter eight, verse forty-four, Jesus tells us that Satan is the father of all lies. Many seek truth, but they only seek it in a place of lies. This world has plenty of lies to offer, but I believe if we sal silence the sounds of the world, if we shut them out for just a moment, if we listen closely, I believe we can hear Jesus' voice more clearly in our lives. I believe we will clearly hear the truth. You know what he is saying? He is saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live uh, a life of fear or, or fear after death. We don't have to fear eternity. With that in mind, Let's look at our, our, at, back at our text today to see what we can learn from Saul's story that will hopefully allow us to reconsider how we manage fear in our own lives. We start off by seeing that Saul's not or Saul is terrified of the Philistine army. He was always terrified of the Philistine army. He was not a man of faith, and he was controlled by his fear. And so because of this, Saul was desperate. Fear causes desperation. Fear causes desperation. Uh, the Philistine, in, in Saul's life, the Philistines are threatening to attack the Israelites. Samuel is dead. Saul has nobody to counsel him. When he asks the Lord for answers, he's not given any response. So let's talk about how that applies to us today. In our times of desperation, our response and our direction are crucial. Seeking God during times of desperation often generates within us humility, healthy senses of helplessness. Did you get that this morning? Yeah. Healthy senses of helplessness. There's a healthy way to have a sense of helplessness so that you understand God is the one who can be your helper. And it causes us to have a reliance in God that was previously unmatched. Unfortunately, in our desperation, many times we make bad decisions. And when we are desperate, it compounds matters. In our loneliness, our desperation comes to, uh, causes us to participate in unhealthy relationships and commit sins inside those relationships that we never intended to commit. 
In our finances, desperation can result in borrowing or spending that literally compound through interest and insatiable desires taking the lead. Desperation turns us to substances, to habits, and to addictions that will only further demand desperation from our flesh. Saul became desperate, and he made a bad decision. Secondly, this morning, Saul made a decision. Fear causes us to make bad decisions. Fear causes us to make bad decisions. Saul allows fear in his story to control him and to seek a spiritual medium. We have a tendency to do crazy things when we are scared, don't we? If you look back on your life, you've probably made a decision when you were afraid that you wish you could have back. I love uh, the Geico commercial. I don't know if you've all seen it. You probably, it's, it's kind of become one of those classics that sticks around for every Halloween season um, where they're making fun of scary movies and there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of kids and they're running around and they, they say something like, why don't we hide behind that wall of chainsaws, right? That's logical. And then there's a running car. They say, why don't we get in the running car? They say, why would we do that? There's a grave. Let's go hide in that graveyard. And we laugh and we make fun of that to, to think that any of us would do something so crazy. But church, I'm afraid today that many times the decisions that we make when we are afraid are equally foolish. What's our application from this point today from Saul? What was I thinking? You ever look back and say, what was I thinking? Ever look back and think about that decision you made that you thought was the right decision at the time? I'm afraid to go, so I stay. I'm afraid to stay so I go. I'm afraid to fail, so I quit. I'm afraid to succeed, so I'll act like it doesn't matter that much to me. I'm afraid what others might think of me, so I'll hurt others in hoping that I'll take attention off of me. I'm afraid I'm not enough, so I'll try to keep control. Then when we make bad decisions, and for the most part we know we're doing it, at least in hindsight we do, we see what we've done is wrong, So then we hide. Then we hide. Now, I'm not talking about a game of hide-and-seek or peekaboo, right? But we hide. We we all have different ways that we hide from things. Saul disguised himself. He became afraid, so he disguised himself. Fear causes us to hide from God. Fear causes us to hide from God, which is such a futile act, because we all, all understand today that you cannot hide from God. You can't hide from him. He knows everything about you. Before he goes to visit the medium, Saul dresses in ordinary clothes so that he will not be recognized because he has banned all mediums from Israel. I bet Saul would have never dreamt he'd be talking to a witch, but here he was. He continued his rebellion, and it brought him to this place. Another sermon for another day, but the Bible tells us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. We read this in 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion says no one is going to tell me what to do. So I will create my own truth. Any truth outside of God's truth, any truth outside of the word of God has great potential to be false. It's from Satan. He's the father of lies. And it will open us up to demonic influences. Truth isn't just about whether or not I'm an honest person, but instead when truth is absent, do I manipulate, pay attention here, Do I manipulate my own reality and call it truth? Do I manipulate my own reality and call it truth? When the medium asks Saul who he wants to speak with, he tells her to summon the spirit of the recently deceased prophet of God, Samuel. 
The medium is terrified when she recognizes it's Saul and sees Samuel coming up out of the earth. Samuel tells Saul that, his, his lost, that he's lost his kingdom to David because he failed to completely destroy the Amalekites. He then foretells Saul's tragic uh, future, and he tells Saul that his army will be defeated by the Philistines the very next day and that his sons will be killed. Saul is terrified by Samuel's words. He falls to the ground paralyzed with fright. So where or what are you hiding? First off, you aren't hiding from God. Let's make sure we get that this morning. You're all smart enough to recognize that we cannot hide from God. Skipping or avoiding religious gatherings or activities doesn't limit God's view of us. He can see you when you're outside the church, right? I've given, over the years as a pastor, I've given people so many tours of churches for non-church related things, right? I have a plumber come in to work on something in the church, along with the church, and I say, hey, if you don't know where to go, you can join us on Sunday mornings. Oh, man, the cross would flip upside down if I walked into this place, or lightning would strike, huh, I've never seen that one. I'd actually like you to come so we could see what that looks like. That'd be pretty impressive. <laughs> As if God's nowhere else but in this place, Right? He's everywhere. He knows. I mean, just a reminder, in case you forgot, God sees you when nobody else is around. But just like Saul, what we do is we deceive ourselves into believing that if we hide certain sins or actions from others, that somehow we will be okay. Man, that's a lie from Satan. And he wants you to believe it. But guess what? I... I, I don't have time this morning, and we can have a discussion about it if you want to, but I'd rather talk about leading people to Jesus and community events and how we can disciple people for Jesus. But I, I will tell you, I struggle with a passage like this and how wild it is that God allowed a prophet of his own to be raised from the dead through a spiritual medium to talk to a king that shouldn't have been seeking a spiritual medium to somewhat kind of communicate what God wanted to accomplish. I'll make sure before we're done here that you understand God doesn't want you to go see a psychic. <laughs> but God will use other people to expose and reveal who you really are. You can fool people for so long, but sooner or later, you will be exposed. And you will most likely be upset at the other person because the words that they speak just might truly be the words of the Lord to you. I know in my life over the years that God's used both great saints and incredible heathens to speak truths that I needed to hear. The real bottom line when it comes to this psychic is that God will use, because he loves you, God will use whatever means necessary he needs to speak truth into your life. But there's such an easy way to do it and to find it. You just stay in his word. You stand on the truth of the word of God. It's there, it's plain and simple. Old church, if I could preach this for you this morning, you, you get hung up. You, you wonder why you're obsessed with dieting and fitnessing. But you keep reading books on dieting and fitnessing. Is fitnessing a thing? Can we fitnessing things? Like, I, I don't know if that's... <laughs> Do you know what? Every, I have all these little things. I've, I've, I've spent too much time reading on diet and fitnessing. Not lately, Ed. I mean, my birthday's coming up this week. I got a lot of dinner plans. Not a lot of gym plans. We, we obsess over diet and fitnessing. And in the Bible, you go to Timothy, Paul was just practical teaching when you talk talking to Timothy. He goes, um, yeah, it's good to exercise a little bit. If you haven't figured that out, get your steps in. 
get up out of the seat and get some steps. And it says foods for the stomach and stomachs for the food. Quit reading about what it is that you're supposed to eat and just eat less and move more, okay? Like, I can't believe, God really probably doesn't care what you're interested in. He'd wish you just spend so much less time being interested in it. Now, I'm going to go through a few things. Is that okay? Because some of you are like, I don't worry about diet and fitness at all. I know. I know. I, that's not nice. That was not what I meant. How about politics? Some of you like politics. Oh, man. Oh, man. Politics. Woo. Um. In Romans chapter 13, it says God's ordained the authority over you. Donald Trump and Joe Biden, neither one of them would have any authority or power over you if it weren't for Jesus Christ giving it to them. Period. I'll just tell you, I, and I, I've told you all this before, right? When you're talking to me about different subjects, I am judging you. I won't tell other people about it. I won't tell you to your face, but I'm judging you. I'm discerning. Is that okay? A pastor discerns. He doesn't judge. You want to talk about, you want to blame leadership. When people blame leadership, what they're really trying to do is avoid taking personal accountability. When I hear somebody that wants to sit around talking about politics, it means they don't want to take responsibility to play their part in those actions. We believe so many lies, church. Jesus stood right in the face of Pilate when Pilate said, don't you know that I could kill you, Jesus? And he, Jesus just looked back at him. Jesus had barely said a word all day, and he looked at Pilate, and he said, you wouldn't have any power unless it had been given to you from on high. Amen. Nothing can do. There's so many truths we don't believe. If you just help, I don't have you participate too much. If you, if you know, if you understand that big time wrestling is fixed, we just raise your hand for You know big time wrestling's fixed, right? Some of the rest of you, we're going to talk later about the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and all the other things you believe in. And you all know the NFL's fixed and the NBA and the MLB and college football, right? What? No, pastor. That can't be. Now, don't talk to me about this after the service. That's my opinion. It's not the truth. But do you think Vegas is ever going to lose any money? Look, these things were created to entertain us. They're fun. I didn't say you can't go cheer for the Buckeyes, right? It's okay. But hey, hey, listen to me. We have to be careful that we don't get ourselves wrapped up in fantasies and these distractions that are keeping us from doing the work of God. Now, so, we've got some religious people here today, and they don't care about sports, and they don't care about diets, and they don't care about politics. So let me just really punch you in the face today. <laughs> we sit around and we talk about how to win people to Jesus, and we haven't won anybody to Jesus in 10 years. We talk about how the church should do ministry different. Look, somebody, I told you last week, Francis Chan said, it's really hard to argue with somebody about the way they worship when they're on their knees with their hands lifted to Jesus. It's really hard to argue with people about the way to do ministry when they're bringing somebody new with them to church to meet Jesus Christ. Church, there's so many lies that we're believing because the lies distract us from the truth and we kind of like it because then we don't have to deal with our own stuff. So here's the question for all of us this morning. This is the solution, the answer to our fears. What are you using to establish your truth? You all have one. Every decision that you make every day involves your truth. 
you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth because you believe the truth is if you do that two to three times a day, that you won't have cavities, that you won't have gum disease, and that people will want to talk to you face to face, right? That's just a belief. It's a truth that you have. Where's our truth supposed to come from? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Yeah, we, so right, we, oh, that's a childish thing, Jonathan. But if we would really all get to the bottom of that, we would get to the bottom of everything else. I'm saying what others, uh, I'm saying that what other influences are there in your life that shade their way in? As Christians, we would all say Bible's a source of truth, but how many truths or versions of the truth do we collect from all over the world? Very simply, what are you putting in front of you? I, just kind of a couple things I jotted down. Um, CNN, Fox, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Um, if you don't know this, when you engage in social media, since you guys know I love it so much, um, when you engage in social media, one of the things that you do is you friend or you follow people or things that you like. Do you know what people or things that you like say? Things that you like. Nobody's going around friending and following all their enemies and all their opposition so that they consider whether or not there's a chance what they think might be wrong. So all day we continually inundate ourselves with people that just live in our echo chambers and constantly affirm what it is that we believe about life or any smaller matter. As a pastor, people have disagreed with me about something from the Word of God. <laughs> Last, I'll just tell you a story. They're not here. You don't know them. You will never meet them. Last week, someone disagreed with me about something, and I had just shared with them exactly what the Word of God said. Did, did you know that as a Christian? Like, it's okay to say that. Some, somebody goes, well, Jonathan, you're wrong. That's fine. I, I didn't need to be right or wrong. I was just telling you what the Bible said. And I told them what the Bible said. I didn't see that person for eight days. The next time they saw me, the first thing that they said to me is, you know, I read an online article, and what you said was wrong. I was like, oh, whatever. I don't have time today for that. Look, you can always find someone to affirm what it is that you're doing, what you believe in, your lifestyle. There are people out there who are Christians that will affirm your sin. They will label themselves as Christians, and they will affirm your sins. But you have to be careful about what you put in front of you. One of my favorite verses on gossip, I mean truth, is found in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17. And do you know what it says? This is the Jonathan Barker paraphrase. The first version of a story that you hear is the one that you believe the most at first. That's why the best gossips, as soon as they hear something, repeat it right away because there's something inside of them that understands if they share the news first, their version of the story will get heard. Anytime there's conflict, anytime I've ever experienced managing conflict with people, the first person that calls me is always the one I'm most wary of because of this verse. They're wanting to give me their viewpoint, their opinion, instead of what might necessarily be the truth. We wouldn't say they're lying, they're just sharing their version of the truth. But that's why what we put in, in front of our kids and what they hear and see is so important, because what they hear first is what they're going to be most likely to believe. Listening to what anyone else says on a subject is a sensitive process because all of us speak in order to convince others that our truth is the truth. On any matter, even if it's just an opinion, you want to make sure that people hear your truth as the truth. So what does the witch of Endor look like to us today? 
That's the witch from our story. Second Timothy does a pretty good job with that. It says, you won't like good teaching, or in other words, when people speak words of correction or discipline towards you, you will just change the voice until it appeases you. We've really attached a remote control mindset to our sources of truth. I assure you, as a pastor, if I correct you enough biblically that one of two things will happen. You will mature spiritually in ways you never have before, or you'll find a new pastor to listen to. Because someone, somewhere, will affirm your behavior or relieve you of your responsibility. You'll turn the channel. Let me bring this all together today with a story from the great British author G.K. Chesterton. The story's called The Magician. There was a magician who came to town. Obviously, there was no YouTube video somebody could watch in these days to, to figure out how they did it. And if he moved from town to town, none of his magic would be revealed. He moved from town to town doing magic shows. And in one particular town he got to, there was a chemist that showed up at his show. And the chemist was obsessed with figuring out a way that the magician did every trick. So the magician would do a trick, the chemist would prove how he did it, and he'd ruin the show for everybody else. He'd come back the next night, the magician would do another trick, the chemist would sit there and say, I know how you did that, and he'd ruin the show. The magician got tired of this, probably because the chemist was taking a lot of money out of his pocket. So one night, the chemist came up and said, you're just a fraud. You can't do anything that I can't figure out. And the magician said, is there a red light in front of your house? The chemist said, yes, there's a red light in front of my house. He said, has that light always been red? The chemist said, yes, the light has always been red. And he said, I want you to know that right now, I'm turning that red light green. And he said, that's ridiculous. You can't turn a red light green. You're not there. You can't do anything. It can't be a green light. He went home. The light was green. A man came back and said, how'd you do it? He goes, oh, I just sent some angels over there to turn the light red to green. In case you haven't picked this up, this is fiction, okay? Just helping everybody out here before you get too mixed up in it. He said, I just sent some angels over there to, to turn the light green. He goes, no, 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 no. You have to tell me how you did it. And so for the next week, the chemist went to his lab, and he did everything he could to try to change a red light from a, to a green light, and he couldn't pull it off. He was going crazy. Finally, the sister of the chemist came to the magician one day, and he said, sir, you have to tell my brother how you did this trick. He said, I told him. He said, I didn't do a trick. He said, I sent some angels over there to, to turn the red light to a green light, and that's how I did it. He goes, well, he won't believe that. He has to figure it out. He doesn't know what to do. He said, ma'am, I'm not sure what you want me to do. He said, I've told the man the truth. She said, well, why don't you tell him a lie? Why don't you tell him a lie? She continued, tell him something that's not true so that he will be fine again. Some of the magician created some kind of story that has nothing to do with the truth, and she goes and tells him, and immediately he regains his sanity. Tell him something that's not true, so he will be fine again. Many of us would rather just have somebody affirm what's wrong in our life or tell us that what we're doing is okay because it would be easier than working through the steps that it might take to move from a, a lie or a falsehood in our life to the truth. G.K. Chesterton wraps up this story by saying, just when the man thinks he's become sane because he has a solution, he has actually become insane. To, because to, leave, to believe the lie as a truth is the definition of insanity. This is ultimately because real truth, God's truth, always brings peace. I'm going to invite the team to come right now. And we understand that confessing our fears, this is where we're going to wrap up today, confessing our fears allows God's truth to come forth. For the scientist in the story, he was, his fear was that 
his in- intellect was insufficient. So what is it for you? Is it the exposure of who you really are? Do you fear change? Do you fear lack of control? Do you fear humility? Do you fear a sense of failure? Do you, do you fear social shame or embarrassment? Do you fear that you're not good enough? That you won't measure up? This is tough here, church. Do you fear that God won't do what you hope he will do? If unhealthy fears are a sin, and First John says that if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us, what fear do you want to be cleansed of today? Can you believe that? God wants to cleanse you of your fears today as you increase your faith in him. Where will you let God speak into the reality of your fears and let his truth heal you this morning? Our fears can only truly be brought to their knees when we acknowledge them and surrender them to Christ. There's so many of us that are afraid of so many things, so different, so many different versions that we have of our own truths. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm just going to give you an opportunity to confess those fears this morning. You can come and pray. You can pray where you are. But if you were to confess those fears to God and say, God, I want you to give me the faith to understand that I don't have to be afraid, that fear is a liar. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of sound mind, that he wants you to be full of love and understanding and peace. Our fear manifests itself in so many ways. And and so we don't need to leave here afraid anymore. Be vulnerable before God. Confess your need for him. Allow him to transform areas of your life where you have stored up fears and anxieties. Receive his peace today. Leave here today receiving the words of Romans 15, 13. Listen to what it says. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. You have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you today. And 1 John 4, 18 tells us that there is no fear in love But perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Truly receiving the perfect love of Christ is the answer to all of our fears. Seek and find his peace and find freedom today. Hey, this song that they're going to sing today is called, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to do. That's a big prayer. Like when we sing these words today, it's a big prayer to say to God, I will make room for you, God, to do whatever you want to do. Because he wants to do a lot. I assure you, you're not a finished product. But this song talks about shaking the ground of our tradition and breaking down the walls of our religion. Now, some people hear tradition and religion and they think hymns and suits. No, 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 no. Let me talk to you about tradition and religion for a second. A tradition is where you believe something to be that maybe needs to be questioned in the light of God's word and his Holy Spirit. Be careful today that there's not a traditional belief in your life that God doesn't need to be able to re-examine so that he can correct that fear, that anxiety, that depression in your life and bring peace. Break down the walls of all my religion. Hey, maybe the way we used to do church, maybe the way we're currently doing church, maybe the way that you're seeking your faith in God has worked in the past But God is a God of today. God is a God that has a future planned for you. That's what he tells us in his word. 
And so we have to allow the walls of our religion that can actually be built up and get in the way of our relationship and with the flow of the Holy Spirit. He's doing great things here, Cap City. Be obedient. Lay down your fears this morning. Father, we pray that we've been faithful to your word in this time together today. God, we have people here today that they don't believe that they're good enough. God, they don't believe they're skinny enough. They don't believe they're pretty enough or handsome enough or qualified enough or rich enough. God, you're enough. Jesus, you are all that I need. We need you so much today, Jesus. Will you come and fill all those gaps, all those holes, help people to find freedom today, God, for the chains to be broken that where they're believing the lie that they're not good enough. Because, Lord, we've all failed. We've all come short of the glory of God, but we know that you're good enough and you're big enough for every need that we have, and we know that you're going to supply it. In Jesus' name, amen.
phenomenal thought, I will make room for Jesus. But I want to challenge you with this. What if we didn't just make room, what if we handed everything over and we said, everywhere you want to dwell in my life, you are welcome. God is good today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm thankful today to be in a wonderful church. And so here's what we're going to do. 
I want you to give a big round of applause for Pastor Jonathan and the worship team today. And then you may be seated. Uh, we are now going to dismiss our online audience. Thank you so much for tuning in. We would love to see you here in person, 1030 every Sunday morning. Um, a few announcements. First off, my name is uh, Pastor Jacob. I am the executive pastor here at Capital City Church. If I have not met you.